0: you know, you're a poli sci major. I've spoken to you know, people like you know, you're you're a poli sci major during the twenty sixteen election. Like that's an incredible time. You're living through history during that. Um I graduated in twenty eighteen. Riley graduated in twenty eighteen. So she did not live through that. She she did not she did not study that. Okay, you know my uh, my my timing is very off that is that is very wrong. <laughs> And welcome to In conversations my name is justin weiss and i'm the spectrum's managing editor
1: and my name is riley mullen i'm the spectrum's editor-in-chief
0: and it has been 365 days since ub went completely remote in unprecedented day in university history and it continues to be something with just the most cascading effects that you could possibly imagine 365 days with the novel coronavirus in the queen city and riley you know it's been a full year now. Do you remember what it was like to be on campus in the lead up to campus closing? What what that experience was like? Were you thinking about COVID? Was that something that was weighing on your mind?
1: Um, In the year it's been since COVID started, reflecting back, it really seems like it's been longer than that. Um, We had been covering coronavirus overseas for a few weeks at the point um, when we got to the point where the U.S. started to shut down a little bit. So we were already very aware of the circumstances that were happening overseas. Obviously we had that student in Italy who was forced to return home. um, And this was well before we knew anything about quarantining. It It was a scary time in the Spectrum office leading up to school shutting down
0: you know I remember well I remember so many different little little pieces from those like the previous few weeks I remember listening to the daily podcast from you know the New York Times and they had had a few episodes about like this mysterious virus in China and you know you don't really pay much attention to it because you know it's it's a little virus like you know there have been plenty of outbreaks there's you know H1N1 you know SARS MERS all of these different things you don't expect it to really have that much of an effect on you and yeah like you like zika even you know ebola which was something that just felt so remote in a different part of the world and very funny like i'm a public health major so i was taking a class and the professor you know before COVID was even happening starts talking about things like quarantine and isolation and she's talking about how you know these are concepts, these are theories, but nobody ever puts them into practice. Like, there's never a need for quarantine or isolation. And then just the timing of it to see that, you know, all these months later, like, we're still in the same situation. And it, all of this theory, this public health theory has come to fruition is just so crazy and another thing i remember in like the lead-up to that is my friends were supposed to go on a spring break trip uh to europe and for months it was like you know it's still going to happen like nobody ever shuts that down and then you know ub shuts down and that closes and Within minutes, it seems like the whole world closes—sports, entertainment, arts, everything.
1: Well, we had had um, the week after when UB shut down. We were supposed to go to the conference in, in New York City every year. The Spectrum goes to this conference and journalism conference in New York City where we build connections and we got to talk to real live reporters. And we had had that trip scheduled. Everybody had their train tickets. We were all—we were supposed to leave like the next day or something like that. Um, and that did not happen. (laughs) And we
0: we were supposed to visit, what was it, CNN? We were supposed supposed to get get a tour of, what was it, Billboard? Billboard. And it was like, dang, none of that happened.
1: Which is, which is obviously, it was sad, like, expecting to go on that fun trip with your friends, but it is kind of crazy to think that we just thought, like, okay, we're gonna get a couple weeks off from school, and then UB announces it's the entire spring semester, and then they announced that Fall 2020 is going to be mostly online. It's just been a lot of mixed signals, I think, from lots of different authorities and lots of different leadership over the past year. I think it's kind of crazy how we've even gotten to this point where we can like sit in this room and film this podcast when a year ago, everyone was afraid to get six feet apart from each other.
0: So let's take that one step at a time. You know, Wednesday, March eleventh, twenty twenty, was the day that UB shut down. What do you remember about that day? Do you remember kind of the lead up, the build up to UB shutting down? Were you anticipating? You know, you wake up in the morning, where you're like, whoa, like this is it? This is this is the last day we're going to see the rest of the staff of the spectrum. This is the last day we're going to see our friends for months. Like, was that on your mind?
1: I definitely don't think that I was thinking imminent danger at that point. I really don't think that I was thinking that UB was going to shut down at all because at that point we were getting messages from different like public health officials even saying like i don't think that the coronavirus is going to come to buffalo which so i think i was really relying on that i also i do specifically remember i didn't have class on the day that school shut down so i was just in the spectrum office all day which be it a good thing or a bad thing i did end up writing a good amount of the blurbs that we had put out but just because everyone was in class no one was available we were all trying to figure out like where are we gonna go? Because lots of people didn't have ways home yet.
0: So I remember being in class that day and then exiting class and walking through the Spectrum office Probably just to like say goodbye to people because you know spring break was right around the corner, and I remember like getting to my desk when I was the sports editor at the time, and Jacqueline Walters, who was our managing editor, I, I think she was in the managing editor's office, and all of a sudden she just screamed, and I'm like, what is going on? What's happening? And she's like, you know, Cuomo just like canceled it. She's like, cancel what? She's like, school is over. Like school's out. And it's like, what do you mean school's out? And I-, I don't know if you remember that, but I was just like in such shock, and I don't think I put it together because to me it was just never a real possibility it was like people were like kind of speculating on it but it was never like whoa like tomorrow we're just done like this is it whoa that was that was, was so crazy. mind-boggling
1: i didn't even I, I think at that point we didn't even think that uh the governor had the authority to do something like that we were questioning whether or not ub would follow through with it whether they would listen to the guidelines of suny would make an announcement saying never mind suny schools are fine but that was it was kind of mind-boggling, kind of like really surreal feeling knowing like there was this even higher, like obviously when we go to UB and we hear like all the announcements and stuff that administration makes when they like tell us the rules for the year, we think like that is a pretty high power, it was freaking nuts to hear like uh, the president, the governor saying like it is not safe for you to be on your campus. When we were really not hearing anything from UB at the time, I think at the time UB was very tight-lipped, not making any statements. Really, the only the only real information that we had from UB at all was from the study abroad departments, since we were all concerned about how we were going to get students back from there, from their study abroad trips overseas.
0: And you know, I I think when you're on a college campus, you're really in a bubble. Like we're all you know like-minded like crazy 18 to 22 year olds and we really have no fear of anything and honestly you know like COVID hadn't hit campus yet it was really only around like the Westchester area it just didn't feel like you said like imminent danger it wasn't like there was a warning flag like caution like this is about to come to Buffalo and and because I think you're in that environment where even if the rest of the world's burning down around you you're on a college campus where everybody feels safe where everybody feels fine you just never expect something like this to happen and so when it does happen it's like whoa this is just just earth-shattering.
1: And UB is is fairly set off from the city. Yeah, we're like 20 minutes away from the city of Buffalo, but being in Amherst, we are really in like a suburb. We really don't have those connections to like those like big city kind of things. We're like obviously we were not thinking like Buffalo is gonna shut down. We were more concerned about places like New York and Washington. So for everyone to shut down all at once, instead of them saying like. New York isn't a safe place right now, or Washington, D.C. isn't a place down. For to say nowhere is a safe place, that was crazy.
0: So I remember having this, like, incredible adrenaline rush right after uh, the news broke, and, you know, I'm not... I'm introverted. I'm not about to, you know, walk up to random people being like, hey, how do you feel about this? But I had such an adrenaline rush where I'm walking around the student union with Liz, our who's now our senior news editor, and we're just asking people, like, what do you think? And for many, for many people, we were breaking the news to them, they had not heard, and the one refrain that we just kept hearing again and again and again this is unprecedented, this is unprecedented, this is unprecedented Holy moly, this is unprecedented. And I don't know, that's just stuck with me to this day that like 365 days later, is still so unprecedented.
1: I think that when we talk about COVID being unprecedented, I think we're looking at like uh, the examples that we do have, like uh, SARS, um, Mers- Ebola, Zika, Ebola, right. everything like that. Where those are fairly recent, but they were not definitely, for sure, not as widespread as COVID is, obviously. But I think the interesting thing to think about when people talk about like how unprecedented everything is, when people talk about how apocalyptic everyone looks we're wearing their masks around, that is not unprecedented. Even like as, as soon as like a hundred years ago we had the Spanish flu where right. um, people were wearing masks. I think that this is kind of um, a sen- like the century has turned. We, we've hit the 1900s had their outbreak and we're, we've hit the t- uh, 2000s, and this is our br- outbreak
0: it's incredible how like normalized mask wearing has become how normalized you know social distancing has become reduced capacity inside and outside of things
1: speaking of the social distancing part i think it's so interesting because obviously like we've had it drilled in our heads we see the little spots on the ground everywhere but i had a moment today where i was i was in line i was getting the bowl and this other student who is I, pr- I presume also going to get their order came up and stood like directly next to me like less than a foot away and I'm like staring at this man because I can't move I'm waiting for them to hand me my food I've already like alright and I'm like I don't even know how I would approach that situation be like can you please back up I, I I feel like it's so so like widespread and so prevalent nowadays that like you're appalled when someone doesn't follow the rules and you know
0: we were I was looking back in the archives from last year and one of the things I noticed is that just around around a year ago, like right before the pandemic hit, Ben Blanchette, who was our engagement editor, and Alex Brown, senior multimedia editor, they went to a concert at KeyBank Center. Um, and this wasn't just any concert, you know, this is a, a big time country music singer. And in the story, Ben writes that the people in the audience were packed like sardines. And just like that imagery, like, could you even imagine something like that happening today? I couldn't. I mean, you hear oh, like what Texas not. is like trying to reopen the state fully and places like Louisiana may follow. I just can't see it. Even, like, it's just so ingrained in the psyche now.
1: Even those big gatherings, like I cannot imagine going to a concert nowadays, but the day that UB had shut down, I think there were like seven or eight of us shoved in the managing editor's office in the spectrum office, which is not a large room whatsoever. People are sitting on the floor. Some people <laughs> are sitting in chairs. We're talking, we're reporting on this story where this um, student who was studying abroad in Italy was trying to come home. Current senior news editor, Liz, had interviewed the girl, had at before And this is before we knew anything about social distancing. So she had physically seen, like, been in the same room with the girl. And then we all we're all sitting in this room trying to, like, muscle through this article together, not realizing, like, oh, my God, that is how exposure happens. Having had COVID at this point, I understand, like, how that happens. But I can't believe how incredibly close we all got, even so much as a year ago from today.
0: Well, I remember, you know, America's Got Talent, very <laughs> random. But you know, they filmed that um, in January, February, March, April, and then the actual, you know, show airs in the summer. And it was just so interesting to watch because the auditions, most of the auditions were filmed in like January, February, it was fine. And then the final few auditions were filmed, you know, once the world had kind of shut down and came to a halt. But at that time, nobody knew that masks were effective. And even if they knew that masks were effective, people were advised not to wear them because we needed masks for our, you know, frontline health workers. And You know, you're just watching this and you see somebody win the golden buzzer and all the judges are going up and kind of giving like these awkward, like elbow, like high five, just so unique. And truthfully, you look at like those beginning days of the pandemic, we had no clue what we were doing. Like we as college students had no idea what we were facing. And like as a society, as a country, as a world, we just were not prepared. We were not ready for what has now been an entire year.
1: I like to look back at my mask collection over the course of the year just because when it first shut down, I did like an article describing how to make your own mask, and I think the tagline. I like to give all of my documents in my Google Drive funny titles, just to like laugh it with the other editors. And I think that one was like, "Why am I DIYing medical supplies?" But even looking at like, even recently, within the last two weeks, we had that the new recommendation that people wear two masks, that people double mask because it's 40% more effective than just right. wearing a single mask. So to look at like even the other of masks over the over the course of the year. We were all making our own masks in the first days. We were all like DIYing like sewing pieces of fabric. I think it's you know what I still think is crazy when I see people walking around today wearing bandanas as masks. <laughs> I don't understand. It's been a year and you they're like a dollar. They had time.
0: <laughs> I mean, they had time to make them. They had time to buy them. It's like
1: Why not? But the quality of masks has improved so much, too. I think they were were so expensive in the beginning. They were expensive.
0: And like you said, like, they were uncomfortable. I mean, at this point, I'm running in my masks sometimes, like, with no problem breathing-wise. Like, it's become really, really cool. We're talking about how, like... It's been 365 days and obviously it's been a process and the guidance has shifted and everything's changed. From the very beginning, did it ever fully sink in that we were kind of going through this pandemic? Was it like, you know, we're in the spectrum office and Jacqueline's saying her thing and we're all running around. Did it sink in then? Like, oh my goodness, like we're about to go through this. Was there a point for you? And it was like, wow, like we finally, we're going through this.
1: I absolutely do not think I knew what was happening until I got home. I think that that time in the office, like you said like you said before total adrenaline rush just like because th- this was the first time we'd ever had like crazy national breaking news that we could actually report on at ub we do not we only report on things that are relevant to ub for the most part right. so this was the first time that like a national story was relevant to us so we were we were all just like h- running around like high on that adre- adrenaline a- a- right. adrenaline rush adrenaline rush trying to, like, report on the news. I really don't think, at least personally, it didn't really hit me until I got home, until my dad had to come pick me up and help me, like, pack up all my things. And I was like, oh, this is real. Like, I can't even, like, share a room with my roommate anymore. That's dangerous now.
0: Yeah, I remember that day, like, people were asking me because, you know, I had gone in and out of meetings. Mm -hmm. And uh, we we attended, you know, the Faculty Senate where they're talking about all this. And it it seemed like they were trying to process this information just like we were. And, And somebody was asking me, you know, like, so what does this all mean? And I'm like, I don't know. And he keeps asking me the type of question, like, in different ways. I'm like, truthfully, I have no freaking idea. I have no clue. And so, I mean, 365 days later, I'm pretty sure I still feel the same oh, way. Yeah. Um, but definitely, like, in those weeks, in the weeks after, like, that was that was the feeling.
1: We were so ill-prepared. As a nation, we had absolutely no... In- to look back at the information that we have now and the information that they were giving us very early on, saying like masks aren't effective, saying obviously we all had like the, the wash your hands push, even like the type of information we were getting from leadership, from not not even just at the university level, but at from a national level, it's absolutely appalling to think that like those are the things that they told us were safe. And now now we have even like that statistic that double masking is forty times more or forty percent more effective. They were telling us not to wear masks at all.
0: Right, right. And I mean, I think that just reflects how science is such a new process, and especially if you're dealing with a novel pathogen like COVID-19. You know, we have previous outbreaks, SARS, MERS are from the same family of coronaviruses, but we don't have anything to be like, wow, we've gotten COVID-19 before because obviously it's a novel infection. But yeah, I mean... The the shifting guidance, um, I just think, you know, bred a lot of distrust. And, you know, you look, the U.S.'s public health response is typically, like, widely regarded as the best in the world. I mean, there are so many countries right now whose public health agency is called the CDC, is called the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, to model it after of, after us because of how good we are. So clearly, you know, they didn't get that memo. Um, clearly, something went wrong. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's just it's just so wild to see how much guidance has changed.
1: Now, uh, Justin, as a public health major, how has that affected your classes this semester and last semester? Having, obviously, in the beginning, we didn't know what was going on, so obviously, I don't think your professor would have enough information to tell you guys exactly what's happening. But have you had gotten any more, like, additional information as this is something that you're learning that you want to do?
0: I mean, it's definitely cool that as a public health major, I can now tell people what I study and they're not like, what is that? I've never heard of public health. Like, yeah, like now we're living through it and we get like the biggest case study ever. And so, I mean, it's just really cool that like all of my classes, like an epidemiology class, it's no longer like, okay, we're going to study an infectious disease and, in, you know, a different continent. We're going to just, you know, now we're going to study uh, an infectious disease that's literally happening to my roommate or happening to the person down the hall. Like it's just, it's, it's a case study that ha- has gone all around. It's really, I, opening. And I think it's going to really change the field. It's going to revolutionize the field for a long time. Did you think
1: when you first signed like first like tuition check, like you first paid your bill, you were like, you know what, they're really going to give me some hands on experience at UB? You know, UB
0: promises that experiential learning. So I guess I I got more than I bargained for even. No, I mean, you know, I I read, I mean, I read even before the pandemic, there's a book by Sonia Shaw called Pandemic. And it's all about how the next pathogen, the next infectious disease was around the corner it was inevitable we didn't know the scope we didn't know exactly what it was going to be but it was going to happen and i mean bill gates had his famous ted talk about it it's not like we were completely blindsided by it it's not like you know this came out of nowhere but yeah i mean you don't expect for this to happen in the middle of your sophomore year
1: speaking of the bill gates speech something recent that i've like noticed this is kind of off topic but i think it's interesting Okay, do you know what the Vlogbrothers is? Of course, John and, John and Green. I absolutely love the Vlogbrothers. <laughs> I watch them all the time. I So I was watching a video the other day where it was about John's response to the Bill Gates speech where he's just saying, like, we need to be pre- be prepared for this. And it's so crazy looking back at the timestamp and it's like 2016. It's like things that like we absolutely had no idea we were, and, and now things are coming true. But the thing I find even crazier, and I took a video of it, was John Green also, as well is foreshadowing coronavirus with the Bill Ga- with the Bill Gates um interview, he also predicted the um, the Capitol riot from January 6th. There was a there's a John Green Vlogbrothers video where he's talking about what makes public land public. And he's talking about nature reservations. And there was a nature res- reservation in Wyoming that was taken over by a small right. militia. And he was like describing, well, he was like, well, it's fine because they're on a nature reservation, but they're not in the US Capitol three years <laughs> later. There's a small militia in the U.S. Capitol. What do we capital. say?
0: History repeats John itself, Reed right? is predict-
1: predicting the future. You
0: know, it's remarkable in this country how like much we spend on you know foreign defense, how much we spend on the military, which, you know, is important and all, but how much we almost are, are willing to ignore pretty much any other potential domestic problem. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's really manifested itself in what we're currently living through, like I you said on January 6th. I think we
1: through a more polarizing time. For sure. Just as far as sure. the sheer amount of different opinions that people can have. Like, it's not really, it's not only do you believe in COVID or do you not believe in COVID. It expands so much further than that. There are so many different aspects of it that people can say they don't believe in. I don't believe that masks work.
0: Right, and I, I think like so much, so much else in the world, this has become a culture war. And so, you know, if you're on the side of wearing masks, it's almost like you're at war with the people who are on the side of not wearing masks. If you're, you know, pro-vaccination, you're you're in a fight against people who are anti-vaxxers, and just everything is a battlefield at this point. There's no consensus around anything. There's no
1: there is not even there's even like a lack of middle ground around there. We can say that it's pro-mask and anti-mask all we want but there are also people who like will wear the mask but not put their nose in it there's such a spectrum of opinions that people can have nowadays that it's really there if you disagree with someone even slightly i find it very difficult to find some kind of common ground that you can agree on
0: absolutely so I guess shifting gears a tiny bit because this is, you know, 365 days later, you know, it's been a year now or almost a year of uh, remote learning, of Zoom, of Slack, of anything online on our laptops, very little in-person stuff. Do you have an overall feeling about how this last year has went in terms of instruction? Obviously, it's different. I mean, there's no question about that, but has the quality improved? Has it, you know, not improved? Is it a bag?
1: Oh as far as quality I think generally and overall it has definitely not improved. I think that there is a disservice that's being done by the ne- uh, the necessity that we have to have everything online and I don't think there's any getting around it. That's, right. not, that's right. not to fault you be or fault any professors for the work that they're doing because obviously it's difficult for an- all of us but I just think that there's absolutely no way that you're going to receive the ca- same kind of quality education that you do in person than you do it online
0: right and you know i mean we spoke about this like in the in the spectrum class yesterday somebody brought this point up you know people are taking classes from their bedrooms you know they're taking it from their kitchens from their dining rooms and that's th- there was always this barrier between your personal life and your class life and now that barrier is gone now you are you you, you, you know you're always in your room you're always in your apartment or dorm room doing everything
1: I find myself coming back to the argument that screen time is going to rot our brains and I, I can't help but laugh at what like a, what, what kind of a movement that young moms were making and different politicians were arguing saying that we have to have less screen time and we need to be more, we have to have more control over what we are posting on the internet and that how just how quickly that went out the window. I find myself thinking about fairly often when we do have Like the um, Mondays are spectrum days, our like big spectrum days where Justin and I have a meeting starting at two, and then we don't finish until like seven o'clock at night, and that is. Five hours of just sitting on zoom and staring at your laptop and I I really ca- like I think it's even comical just to think about how Even as so much as like two years ago. They were saying like we need to be off our phones more We need to cut our screen time taking this class now. It's the um, new media We talk about different developments in technology and recently we were discussing how technology is meant to be addicting and we were discussing the the idea of making screen time limitations on your phone. Right. How would that work now? It, you there's,
0: can't get around no, it. I mean, I've been saying this this whole time. Like, if I hear one more slap notification, one of those annoying <laughs> sounds, I'm gonna lose it. Like, I'm gonna fight someone. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw my laptop like to shatter it to pieces. It's just, it, it's all consuming. And right, like the only thing you can really do to get around it at this point is to go outside. And now, you know, we're recording this on a beautiful day, which is so nice. But I mean, we've just gone through a winter where it's not always possible to do that. And you know, even if you push yourself to do it every day. It's hard to get off of your phone, off of your laptop, off of your TV, off of your video games. It's just all-encompassing. It's all around you. It's, It's very difficult.
1: When I think of like the Slack notifications and stuff like that, do you do you have you ever seen those videos of like dog trainers training dogs and have like the clicker tool <laughs> and they'll like <laughs> click it and the dog will do the trick and then yes. that's, like, the thing? it makes me the Slack notifications and the different kind of that's notifications us. make that me feel like us. like a trained dog. Like I hear the notification, I'm like I have to edit now, and I'm just like in that place.
0: And there's, there's no way around it. And yeah, just, I mean, you know, we do so much on the spectrum on our laptops, but also, I mean, class, like when we're not doing spectrum stuff, it's, it's class, 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 class. And then, you know, you want to, you want to talk to your friends. Sometimes you can meet up with them in person. A lot of time it's, let's call them over phone. Let's, let's Skype with them. Let's, you know, let's, let's WhatsApp with them, whatever it is. It's just All of our lives have become, as if they weren't already before, which, like you said, they have been, and they've been itching that way for years. There's no way around it. Like, our whole lives are on our technologies, which is crazy. And, you know, there hasn't only been negatives. (laughs) Like, there has been some good, and you know, outside of the constant being on social media. And, you know, for me, I mean, one of them has just this whole thing has been such an excuse to get outside, you know, to go for runs, to injure myself probably every day, whether it's a head injury or a knee injury or a shin injury, something. But you know what? I'm outdoors. I'm enjoying the, and especially like the weather today and what it's supposed to be like for the rest of the week and what it's supposed to be like around this time. Like That is such a blessing, such a treat. You know, have you picked up anything that's like exciting that maybe isn't as depressing as this whole past year has been.
1: Now, traditionally, I am not an outdoors person. I like my blankets, and I like to sit in the corner and watch a movie. I am very much not an outdoorsy person. I don't like hiking. My friends are really into hiking. But recently, over the winter break and over COVID, I learned to ski, and I absolutely fell in love with it, which was very nice. I did hurt myself so much, but it's fine. I feel like that was, and it was a good activity, a good COVID-safe activity to do with my friends, but we could all get out to the slopes and we didn't have to be like too close to each other. We didn't have to be too close to other people. We could spread out if we wanted to, which was very nice. But I feel like COVID has been a really nice time for picking up hobbies and picking up new experiences that um, you might not have thought about before, but that are still like COVID safe and that you're not going to be like spreading or exposing anyone to anything.
0: Absolutely. And you know, I think one of the other things for me has been, you know, I'm around a certain number of people, you know, it's almost forced us to like become closer. to each other. You know, it's hard... If you can't see other people, you spend... Inherently, you want to spend time around people, you get closer to the people around you.
1: I have a question. Of course. There is a phenomena that my friends and I have discussed um, over the course of COVID where when we hang out and uh, we we hang out in like m- groups of less than 10. I have a pretty like a core friend group that we really see. We don't like branch out too far from that. But there's a there's almost like a guilty feeling that I get when I like take a selfie with a friend and then I post on social media and I'm like I hope people don't think that I'm at a party or something right, like that because I right. absolutely wouldn't want anyone to think that I was like being not COVID safe. I think it's a, there's like a certain amount of guilt that I feel when I'm just like even like hanging out with my roommate and we're like sitting in our room.
0: Right. I I think what this has really opened our eyes to is how isolated people feel even before COVID and especially during COVID. And yeah, you feel guilt even if nobody assumes that you're doing anything wrong. You sometimes feel guilt just because like you know, you're having fun. You're hanging out with other people, and other people don't have that experience. Other people don't have that opportunity. So it's awkward. It's,
1: it, it's absolutely like there is no way of not recognizing the serious amount of loss and the serious amount of pain that some people that this pandemic has caused. Some people, and I can't help. Uh, part of me can't help but feel so genuinely lucky. the situation that we've been given. We've been very fortunate that we could even come back and film this podcast together. But I don't think it's possible to recognize that without understanding that there are other people who have experienced an intense and tragic amount of loss.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's it's all around us. And I mean, sad and it's depressing. I don't mean to end on this depressing note. But I mean, you know, thankfully, with all this bad, there still has been some good. There's still been like a lot of self-discovery among people. A lot of people still doing some really great things and being innovative. You know, I mean, life always throws like, you know, curveballs at you and you know sometimes people hit those curveballs and they hit it out of the park and I mean I I love to see like my friends who have thrived in this time and you know sadly that's not for everyone but it's never always going to be for everyone you know
1: but this has also been an exceptional time for people finding their passions and finding like their personalities I think there are lots of people who and I, I think myself concluded before this I felt like very pessimistic very incapable of I was not comfortable with like reaching out to like friends on the internet. And this is COVID has been a time where we all have really like been able to engage with each other because although it is sad and although there is everything going on, this is a shared experience. There is not a single person on this planet who does not understand what COVID is and has not been affected in some way, shape or form. So it's kind of an equalizer.
0: Absolutely.
1: This has been Cape in Conversations. My name is Riley Mullen.
0: And I am Justin Weiss. And uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. It's been 365 long days, but here's to a much better next 365 days. Stay healthy and safe, everyone.